greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the pod bay doors, Al. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. The price is wrong, bitch. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this week, I'm joined by our our long-missing co-host, Patrick, or Pat, whichever one you prefer to go by. I know I usually go by Patrick and you're Pat, but Izzy calls you Patrick and calls me Pat, so it gets a little confusing sometimes. I kind of give up at that. (laughs) Well, and then... uh, Recently, I was uh, in a conversation with her, and she told me there's a third Patrick that is uh, with her uh, friend Meg. So, uh, and apparently, we're going to be all meeting at some point. So that's going to make things even more confusing. Sounds miserable. <laughs> well, since you're back, how was honeymoon? It was awesome. Yeah, it Rubo was really nice. Wish I could go back. <laughs> Do you have the money to go back right now? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I, was, I saw some of the pictures. They were pretty nice. You guys doing the underwater car thing. And yeah, snuba. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, uh, glad, that, glad that you had a good time. Uh, I know we've missed you on the show. Um, I know we've been waiting to, put, uh, to do our review on Vivarium, but Leslie's not with us this week, so we're pushing that off for another one. Yeah, I might have to rewatch it by the uh, time we get to it. <laughs> I, might, I might, too. Um but so this week, though, we are going to cover Ready or Not, which is a movie that I wanted to go out and see in theaters, and I just never got myself out there. I've heard everyone talk about it. Um, I was a little bit afraid that it was going to be kind of a wouldn't live up to the hype because everyone I know that's seen it has really liked it. But I think in my case, that might be pretty much the same. But in your case, it might be a little bit different. Um, but before we play the trailer for everyone, we'll talk about the premise. If you're not familiar with it, it's a bride's wedding night. Takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying game. So with that said, we will play the trailer. I can't believe that in half an hour, I will be a part of the Ladomus Gaming Dynasty Empire. Uh, Dominion, we prefer Dominion. Honestly, can't wait to be a part of your family. There's just one more thing, and then you are officially part of the family. So, at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What game? Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then try to find you. So there's no way for me to win, right? And stay hidden until dawn. <laughs> no, thank you. Good luck. 
hell is this? How old is this thing? I know you're in here. Jesus, you shot the maid. Does she look like she's wearing a giant white wedding dress, Emily? <laughs> Holy shit! I had to play along so that I can get you out. It's insane. They think they have to kill you before sunrise. Or something very bad will happen to the family. If we don't find her and perform the ritual, we're all dead. Found her. So that was the trailer. Um, I overall, I really liked this movie. Um, I was really impressed with it. It was definitely one of those things I, f- I feared that there was so much hype for it that I was not going to enjoy it. But that kind of didn't prove true. Uh, and much like in the sense of like a hereditary where everyone was hyping that movie up so much, talking about how much they loved it. I didn't enjoy it. Now, this was one where... I really did. I, I thought the plot was very strong. I thought um, the movie itself overall was very tight. It didn't uh, try to stretch things out. Uh, it didn't prolong anything unnecessarily. Uh, it's got some nice twists and turns. And overall, it's a dark comedy rather than probably a straight horror film, although it's very much branded a horror film. Obviously, if you're familiar enough with the story, or with the movie that the family that she's marrying into has to hunt her down and basically sacrifice her by dawn um, because of this particular game that she drew. And of course she's unawares to it. And her new uh, husband is, is trying to help her out of it. It's basically how the movie kind of starts after you get introduced to all the characters. Uh, We learn of course that there's this, tradition and ritual behind it why the family has to do it uh i would have preferred that actually being a scene within the movie um the movie kind of opens up with uh, 30 years before present day uh we're seeing daniel and alex as young kids and and their involvement in the hide and seek for their aunt and um, that's just kind of also to give us character motivations and, and make us kind of suspicious of certain characters as they as they progress through the film. Um, but when we get the actual story about why they're doing this or how this came about, I would have preferred we actually had a scene shot during for that particular thing and had that be our little intro. But other than that, um, the story, again, is is very tight. The acting is very strong. I think everyone does a really good job in this movie, uh, especially Adam Brody and Samara Weaving. And I like Samara Weaving a lot. She has kind of almost branded herself as a horror actress. Uh, She's been in Mayhem, 
which is fantastic. Uh, the Babysitter, which is really good. And I've enjoyed her in, and also this movie. And I've enjoyed her in about everything I've seen her in. There's only one movie, and we'll be reviewing this uh, on a future episode of the podcast. There's only one movie I've not really been impressed with her performance, and that was Bill and Ted Face the Music. But we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about this. And I think this movie showcases her as a very strong actress to use in any type of horror franchise or particularly almost any movie in general. I think she's a very talented actress, uh, and she helps carry you through this movie feeling attached to her character and wanting to see her make it out through this and, and kind of empathizing with her and identifying with her. Whereas, you know, 95% of the population isn't really going to be able to identify with the rich family. And, uh, they might all as an audience hold aspersions to kind of the r- rich eccentricities that rich people really have. And that's kind of her perception of this whole game thing as well. They're just really kind of rich, weird people. So we're going to go along with this because, you know, you married into it, but not knowing the greater consequences. So uh, I think the visual effects, the special effects are very strong. I not much CGI in this movie for the bloody effects. And I can really appreciate that when a movie sticks to practical effects like that. Um, But other other than that, that's kind of my overall general thoughts about the movie. So. Uh, Pat, what did you think? So, for me, I think that it turned out average at best. I think that the the horror comedy is a very... uh, It's a hard genre to get perfect. And one that we really like is Cabin in the Woods. And I think that's one that pretty much is the perfect horror comedy. Um, I would say that this has aspects similar to that. But I wouldn't say that it's, like, spot on by any means. Um, But I'd like to focus on the the things that I actually liked about this movie. Is I liked the the guy that doesn't know how to use a crossbow basically, like, looking up videos and stuff on how to use it. Because that was one of those scenes where it, it hit the comedy just right, where... They're trying to kill this chick, but it's like <laughs> they have no idea what they're doing. Um, the scene where the scene where she's um, shoot, I I have one that I wanted to touch on next. The scene this was one not really comedy, but the one that they did right was when she's hiding and it's the first death where it's kind of like that shock moment. Oh yeah. Um, it wasn't, like, over the top where, like, they would try to be living up to the first death again. So it worked for the ones that were to come. Um, and I think that, that that was done really well. And then the scene where she's in the car <laughs> and... And the she's trying to call nine one one, but the guy shuts down the car on her. Fuck you, Justin. That, that was <laughs> that was probably the funniest of of the scenes. But I think what falls flat is mainly the ending. Um, I think they had something going where it was mainly family members killing family members and the help, and I, I think that they had something there. 
and it, had they stuck to that, it, it may have gotten old, but I think it also would have ended on a different note where they're fearing that they're going to end up dying, but in the end, they're basically just killing each other. So I think if they had stuck to that and it like ended with her and one other one and it not being real, it would have ended a lot differently. And I think that it could have worked. It could have worked that way. All right. Yeah, we'll we'll get into we'll get into that near near the end here, because I think uh, I do want to talk a little spoilers about this. And so we don't want to spoil too much for any anyone that hasn't seen the movie. And uh, we both fortunately were able to watch it through HBO Max. So if you have that, you can stream it for free Um, because I, I picked up a lot of what you were just saying there, too, where I my mind was going, okay, this is the way they're going to go with it. Uh, but I was still kind of an expecting something else to happen. Now, you also mentioned the the help, and I I loved it because um, they they make a particular statement in the movie, the family, where they they go, she's taking us all out, but they're taking each other out. <laughs> you know, it's like it's so funny that they're so self obsessed with themselves that like they don't even take responsibility for their own actions and not realizing their own incompetence in doing this. Cause really this is like, as far as this current generation of the family, this is the second time that they've had to do it. The first time being 30 years ago and it being much easier than, mm-hmm. than this. Uh, and yeah, I thought that that was a really kind of funny aspect to bring into it is just showing how they aren't, they aren't used to doing tasks on their own. Like you said, Fitch with uh, uh, doing the crossbow tutorial on, on YouTube and stuff and not even, not even really knowing what this is all about. Cause like he's, he married into the family, so he's not blood relation and you know, he didn't have to go through it and neither did any of the other um, uh, spouses that were married to the siblings. So, it, it, it is kind of funny that they're all just like gung ho for it. We know how to do this, but then when they're actually doing it, they're all massively incompetent. I would say, especially the uh, the one that's constantly snorting coke. Oh, the cokehead! Yeah, she's <laughs> she's a funny character too, and um, and also the last one I expected to be the mom of the two boys. When you find out that those are her kids, I'm like, really? Like. It also doesn't seem to kind of fit because I feel if I'm remembering correctly, I mean, I I did just watch this last night. The two boys are at the wedding or do they show up later? I can't remember because I know they talk about that Emily and Fitch weren't there for the wedding and that they were behind. But this kids already seem to be there, at least for the festivities afterwards. Mm -hmm. That it's like, well, how did your kids get there? Where were you? Like, I mean, I get it. They're a rich family. They were probably being watched after by the by the their parents or whatever. But um, I, I do disagree with you on the comedy not landing. I think pretty much every every comedic scene that I I found to be funny hit every note for me. And maybe maybe tonally because it's not. 
it's not meant to be overtly comedic. It's meant to be very subtle. Um, the Justin scene where she's talking to the guy in the car, that I think was meant to be overtly comedic because you got her thinking, okay, I'm going to get the cops here. And then he's like, um, the car's been reported stolen. I'm going to have to shut the car down. And he's trying to be nice, and she's just going, fuck you, Justin. Go fuck yourself and all that f- fun nonsense. But, uh, you know, it is it is kind of funny with some of the subtle stuff of, like, when she uh, is just aware of it and she's trying to get to the kitchen because Alex is telling her, go towards the kitchen, I'll get the stuff unlocked. And she kind of comes out the door while they're carrying the body of the first maid. And Adam Brody's character is like, well, found her. (laughs) And they're all kind of scrambling then to go after her. Um, And I'm trying to think of some of the other subtle moments. But I think the comedy was just meant to be more subtle. And maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that didn't work for you. Uh, Yes and no. Um, There were scenes where... It was subtle, but it wasn't... It still just wasn't... It felt like it was kind of tweaked okay. from what it could have been. Um, I will say that the... Uh, one, one thing that I thought was maybe not used enough was some of, like, the foreshadowing with, like, the weapons and stuff. Yeah. I thought that, like, with the old lady having the axe... Like, that might have been something, but it never really was. Yeah. I mean, a little bit at the end, but not really. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I kind of, um, like, I almost expected Fitch to end up doing something to himself with the crossbow, Mm -hmm. like, because of his inability to know how to use one. And this kind of rule of them having to use these kind of old-fashioned weapons, like, they couldn't use... I mean, they could use guns and stuff, but they had to be like old guns and and stuff like that. But which is it's again, that's some stuff that I think that maybe story wise, it did need to kind of explain a little bit more. Like I said, the whole kind of tradition scene of where the father is talking about the box and and how they kind of came into their money and this deal that was set with Mr. LaBelle or LaBelle. I can't remember how it's pronounced. Um, And. It, it works for an exposition scene like it, I didn't hate it, but I would have kind of preferred that we had seen that interaction rather than necessarily it be told to us. Because then we as an audience can maybe understand the rules a little bit more because this it is about rules like they have to be following these rules. Otherwise, the sacrifices don't work. And that because that, like that's the one funny line that keeps getting repeated every time they kill the help is well, does this count? Like, you know, did, did, did it work? And they're all like, no, 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 that's not part of the rules. Um, and kind of considering how that ending scene takes or what happens in there, it's like, was there more to just them doing the sacrifice? Like, I, I feel like the sacrifice is them actually not understanding kind of the mystery about the box, like whatever their ancestor was supposed to solve about it. Um, because I get the impression by the end, the person who chose the card is really the person who's meant to actually make it out. Like that's kind of my read on it based on how that final scene goes with the little bit of the nod. And I, I just, I, I wish there was a little bit more exposition on that, but they kept the movie tight. So so basically what you're saying is from the original deal, 
he was hoping that this would happen. Basically, like so my 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 read on it is that the short answer or basically the wrong solution is we have to continue sacrificing to keep our wealth and to keep our lives. But really, it's meant to be kind of the the person who picks the card is actually supposed supposed to win. But that doesn't mean like necessary. I'm probably not thinking about it right in my head. I probably would have to think about this for a while. But just kind of my initial take is it's not necessarily their mission to kill the person, but to put them through the torment. And since they've been doing it wrong for so many years or through so many uh, repetitions of it and that this is the first person that is actually able to make it out like that's probably why the disastrous outcome happens for them rather than her um so because it's with it's it being quote unquote the devil there's always a catch to a deal with the devil is my my t- kind of take kind of like I think what you're going for is the deal with the devil. Eventually, you're going to lose. Right. At some point. Yeah. And I think that since it had been going on that long, and it had been so long since the last one, that they, with their very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Complacent? Nah, they're just like their inability to like do anything right (laughs) which again kind of goes that kind of underlying my guess is underlying commentary towards like just the wealth inequality incompetence and just kind of this this overall thing of where when you're born into money and born into wealth you never have to like work for anything or do anything and so when you're actually required to do something that incompetence really shows and one one movie actually you kind of mentioned that Cabin in the Woods has some similarities. There's one movie that I think actually it has more similarities is Your Next. Um, and considering that the directors worked on VHS and Adam Wingard, who directed Your Next, also worked on VHS, maybe this is kind of a cross pollination of of their ideas uh, because Your Next kind of follows almost a similar plot in the sense not not so much as in the the satanic cult part of it but just that someone hires people to kill the family to get money essentially so there's there's some more similarities and then the girl being kind of more uh apt to survive in a sense and that's something i i do wish uh also that we would have gotten more of um samara's backstory her, her character's backstory because we only get that she was a foster child, and her big wish is to to have a family. So that's kind of one of her reasons for wanting to marry Alex is like this is that family that she wants. Now, she doesn't realize at the time it's a completely fucked up family, but it's it's that dream of hers that she's wanted. And um, but I I would I, I would have liked them to kind of show that because of her kind of growing up in the system, it's why she's more resilient, why she's more resourceful, because not that this movie does anything that's like, oh, you can't believe she's actually done this. I mean, everything feels very believable in how she's trying to survive. I just think we might have needed a little bit backstory from her. But again, I wouldn't necessarily have wanted this movie to hit like a two hour runtime to kind of overextend its stay just because I wanted some more backstory. 
man, I had one more. I had one thing to follow that up with, and it kind of slipped me. Oh, no. <laughs> um, the, it was something to do with what you just said. <laughs> Backstory it, or? No, it was towards the beginning. Man, I'm. I'm all over the place. But you're drinking your iced coffee, Mr. Hipster. It's not giving me enough. <laughs> Maybe you should have gone morning. with the hot coffee. I will say that the... Um, oh, I got it. There we go. See, one, we can, one sip and it got me back to we it. We can BS long enough so, on here to get to thoughts back. So the with the family knowing that eventually they're going to have to do this again. Mm. Why would they not train for this? Like, why would they not go out and try to, like, use the weapons, like, get any sort of expertise? Like, that's the thing that kind of, like, was missing for me. So, again, I think it kind of comes back to that underlying theme of their incompetency. Like, they're, they're wealthy. They're rich. They not really have to work a day in their lives. So, again, they kind of come up with this idea of, like, it's it's just going to come easy. So why should we bother to try? And we don't know when it's going to happen again. It may not happen in their lifetime. They've just went through two other marriages of their children who one had chess, and I don't even know what the other one got. And, um, backgammon? Yes, backgammon. That's what it was. And so that kind of – and they even rely on the help – to be, yeah. yeah, to point out because like every every time one of them finds her, they end up getting killed, and you know it's so it's one of those things where they they're so soft because they've kind of lived this life of luxury. So really, I mean, this movie has some really strong, I think, um, thoughts on on wealth inequality, but it's not it's not preachy. You know, it's it's stuff that you can read into the film whether they intended it or not. Um, which is, I think, something that most films need to be doing. If you want to have some subtlety to your message, you can hide it in a movie like this where we I didn't necessarily think about this until we've had our discussion about kind of their incompetence and it's come from these years of just having everything come easy towards them because of this deal that their ancestor made. Um, so I never felt like the movie was trying to preach anything to me, which I think is... Strong, you know. I think that's if you can do that with your movie, uh, that's more power to you. When it's overt and in your face, unless you're a political thriller, um, I I don't think that that works. Because one argument that I will always make about horror films is that horror films are inherently feminist films, mm-hmm. um, because it's always about a woman overcoming adversity to survive and usually being the only one to come out of it sh- and stronger for it. But it's funny because you go through the 80s or even 90s and you're talking about these films to exploit women and, and blah, 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 blah. But when you really like look at it and analyze it, even though the movie itself may not be overtly meant to be a feminist film, you can read those kind of undertones towards it. And one of films that I'm going to make you cover on the podcast at some point, and I didn't know about this until... Um, doing the the Joe Bob Briggs um, last drive-in when he did the the second one is that the Slumber Party Massacre movies are written, well, the first one's more so, is written by a feminist author and directed by feminist directors and and actually female directors because when you initially watch those movies, 
they seem like they would be movies that were directed by males, you know, just because of the heck, even the name slumber party massacre. It's all about girls and, and what they do, but finding out that there's more feminism that was driven behind those movies, but not feeling as a male, like I'm being preached to, but still can accept the message of what it's trying to tell. I, I think that makes a movie stronger. And I would say ready or not is very much a feminist movie because Samara Weaving's characters is not someone also who doesn't doesn't ha- can't do all of this all on her own. Like she's not just uh, Wonder Woman. You know, it's not like she can just survive getting shot through the hand and and be like, oh, that's nothing. I'm going to, you know, you see her go through hell and then by the end of it, come out a stronger person and also a person who's probably going to be a little fucked up afterwards too considering how she's sitting there at the end smoking her cigarette yeah it, like I said I, I didn't I didn't dislike it by any means and I, it did hit it hit some high points it hit some low points and I think score wise I'd probably land on like a three okay maybe a three and a half all right, well, I'll give my score, and then we will go to spoilers, so then if anyone who hasn't seen the movie um, can you know, cut out at that point, drop out, and go watch the movie or, or do whatever they want. Um, my score on it's going to be a lot higher. I, I'm going to land on a four and a half out of five. I, I want to give it a five, honestly. I, I thought while watching, I was like, I was like, ah, this might land on a four for me. But once I got further into the movie, I was like, ah, this, I'm really enjoying it. It's firing on all cylinders. Um, I just kind of wanted a little bit more background behind the tradition. So I I think if it had that little bit in there, it would knock it straight to a five for me. But um, if you're not sticking around with us for spoilers, um, thank you for listening. Uh, I know this will be a little bit shorter of an episode than we're used to. We're only covering one movie this week. Uh, we're also releasing this as the same day as recording cause we're kind of off, but we're, uh, we wanted to make sure we still got one in here for labor day week and everything. So, uh, thank you guys. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, I believe we're on Google play. Um, I'm not sure if we're up on Pandora yet or not. And we should be at some point on audible, um, and if you would be please uh, so willing to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast service you're use, listening to us on, uh, we'd be greatly appreciative of it. Also, we're willing to take in listener suggestions for movies to cover. Uh, we got one last week, but we just didn't have time or access to uh, check out Mama from 2013, I think it was, with uh, Guimara del Toro. Oh, I yeah. I think you've seen it. I haven't seen it. I, I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Um, but we're willing to take in uh, listener suggestions, so you can always tweet us at CriticsNTCynics or write into the podcast at CriticsNotCynics at gmail.com. And as always, if you're if you're not staying for spoilers, thank you for listening, and we'll check you in the next one. And be sure to note that I'm too, for, too forgetful because I have been all over the place. <laughs> well, need more notes. To, to, to be fair, you had uh, you had some uh, big things happening the past couple weeks, so <laughs> gotta get you back in into the groove. All right, guys. So we're we're talking spoilers now. Um, one of the things that we were talking before recording that um, I really liked was that it had uh, I had a little bit of a twist. 
Um, when the opening scene happens, we see Daniel as a young kid, and he's the one who points out his new uncle as being, he's in here, he's in here, and they capture him and sacrifice him uh, uh, when Daniel and Alex are kids. So you're under the impression through most of the movie, although Daniel's really kind of reluctant to do this, and honestly, I think he was kind of my favorite character aside from Samara's character, um, because he's kind of like this... <coughs> Yeah, I'm drunk. I don't really want to do this, but fine. Like, I hate my family. And Alex, we think, is this kind of good-hearted, kind person who obviously at the beginning of the film doesn't want his new wife to go through this. But then we get the, the switch that we get that Daniel actually ends up trying to save her. And Alex then is the one that betrays her and is ready to sacrifice her, which I liked. I liked it. Like, it was kind of foreshadowed and and very obvious that something like that was going to happen except that I still expected Alex to kind of be there and be a savior versus uh, him actually continuing on with the sacrifice although we have that conversation with him and his mom that's like well I know you better than she knows you and you kind of don't want that to be true but you kind of do and I think that overall you kind of got the feeling that he was going to turn because because she's gone through all this, like, why would she stay? Well, yeah, and, and, like, and, and even even if it wasn't even if it wasn't real, right. Why would she stick around? And he even makes that point, and he's and he's not wrong to make that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sucks, uh, and she never really actually answers the question. Yeah, but her not answering answers it for him, of course. Um, so it, it totally makes sense that he would turn at, at this point. If he could have gotten her out sooner, mm-hmm. I think they they would have been fine. Um, I mean, she would have well, been she, fine. Well, he might... He There was something, and that's, again, I think something that they needed to clarify more because they said that he got out. So I don't know if that meant that he was able to get, basically break out from the pact um, or not because they kind of left that up in the air that it was... If he had not come back to basically have the wedding there and everything, that he might have been fine. Because if they did it outside of the house, because the wedding had to be at the house, she had to pull the card, she had to play the game. If they'd done it and eloped, would they have met the same fate? Like, it's implied that, yes, that would have happened, but... I I think that he was too afraid to do something like that. Right. And that's why he did it. Right. It's like, he thought that he would just die if he didn't do it right and i think that it was pretty much because of how he was towards the family that she drew that card yeah it it was pretty much a punishment at that point for him because he had been away from the family he pretty much like cut ties for a while right but then comes back with this so i think that that was pretty much why it happened that way and i and i could agree too and um going back on kind of what you said earlier um so i agree like i i almost would have loved it had this not turned out to be real Mm -hmm. like i i because they they toy with you excuse me they toy with you and they give you a couple minutes to think like okay this was all made up in their own minds and I think it would have worked. And I and I think that you're right, that it would have been better that they all the the real curse being that they would have killed themselves. Yes. Um and she would have been fine. But I do also like kind of the instant explosion. 
I mean, that uh, that's always satisfying. <laughs> yes. Well, and I, you know, and again, this kind of like this, I felt felt needed a little bit more explanation because I was almost under the impression based on how the first who the first one that goes, Aunt Helene, she goes to take the axe towards her and she blows up. Mm-hmm. So I was more under the impression since she had survived to Dawn that now she was protected and that anyone that would have gone after her would die a horrible death. I would have been fine with it going that way too, because you could have had each of the family members that were, you know, there that, that still wanted to kill her because of her ruining everything. They would have met this fate. Um, but of course it doesn't turn out that way. The the stupid cokehead runs out with her kids and then they all explode. Her husband explodes. They, they all end up blowing up except for the ones who already died. But I, I want to know more about, um, Mr. Uh, LaBelle because like we, we do see him for a brief second obviously he's Satan uh, or you know or or an agent of Satan but I want to know what that nod means like because I'm almost under the impression because she survived this now she's going to be the one who gets riches you know it, well, I, I think that since she's the only surviving family member at that point that well, you think she didn't sign a prenup? <laughs> I, I, I think that everything would basically go to her. I mean, obviously, she doesn't have the, the house right, anymore. Right. But I think that uh, if she's the only family member, she gets everything that they had. It's possible. I mean, it. it I, I I could see that that probably having some problems in the legal system, but who knows? Like at, at least everything that that her husband had, possibly. Um, it, it, it's it's not enough to make me like take any points off the movie. It's just kind of me left wondering what happens after this. And I'm always I always like movies that kind of leave you wondering what's what's going to happen next. Midsummer kind of being one of those movies too, where you're like, okay, after everything that happened there, what happens with Florence Pugh's character? Like, uh, I want to know what's go- what Samara is going to do next. Is she is she going to continue this tradition on because? She's now seen it. She's now taken a part of it. Is she now tempted by making this deal or because of maybe what the true intentions were behind this box and this this deal because of her surviving? Is she given the things without the strings attached? Like it's it's up in the air and I kind of like it. I I wouldn't want a sequel made to this movie. For sure, because I think that that would cheapen it. I think it's it's very much lightning in a bottle for me. Um, that it's a concept that, yeah, we kind of, like we've talked about, you're next and, and Cabin in the Woods. It's it's not completely original, but this idea of, like, you think of a harmless game, you know, cat and mouse type of thing, turns out to be something greater. Um, it, I, I liked it. I really did. And I, I kind of liked this whole... I like anything supernatural, of course, so I kind of like this tie and this deal with the devil... I just wish some things would have been explained a little bit more. What would you think if they did like a prequel where it was less comedic, where I, it's like the first? Yeah, yeah, I think that that would the work. First, one. I don't know what you would call it, but I would think, like I said, I I kind of, although I don't, because there's a movie I fear. I know they've been talking. I don't think that a sequel's ever going to come out no, for probably it. Probably not. But uh, it follows. Like, I know they've talked about doing that, and I want to know more about kind of the the monster in that movie and explain it more. But at the same time, it's like, 
But that's part of what keeps it so interesting is not knowing. So as much as I would love to kind of see a prequel and, and kind of understand how the family got involved and how this pact went around, how the first, maybe the first iteration of the game got started and how it went. I don't know if I, if I want it, like it's one thing where I want it in this movie to kind of give more background. Yeah. But to, but to then stretch it out for a full film might feel like a cash grab. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I will say that another thing that I felt on like underused was, at the beginning, he's like, like when the the ant or whatever shows up in the room. Oh God, yeah, the it, corridors. Have, yeah, it's like you point out that they have all the servant corridors in this old mansion, and then they like never use them. Yeah, other than like the very beginning. Yeah, and my 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 thinking is because I was like, well, I would just hang out there all day. Well, eventually they would search those corridors. They would. But, like, you would think that they would have been using them to get around to try to get her. Yeah, but, I, again, I think that um, they do kind of try to explain that because uh, even, I think, Adam Brody's character, uh, Daniel, says, like, um, it's not in the rules. Like, it's considered cheating. And that's why they turn the cameras off and everything. And that's they finally resorting to wanting to turn the cameras on. But, of course, Alex messes that all up for them. And because they're, I think that's part of the deal is like they're not, that's why they've got to use the old weapons. That's why they've got to follow kind of these old rules. Like they can't kill her straight out, they've got to maim her so then they can sacrifice her. Um, and so it's, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, you would think they would have used those corridors a lot more. But I, I think that they, they did a good enough job explaining why not. I I honestly would have expected more to kind of come out from her getting out on the grounds cuz like I I feel like her getting out of the grounds would somehow vacate the game because you would think that if she's required to be in that house for it if she ever got out and like actually passed the property line they that that lost. would yeah that or, that's or them she would have lost one. I but, would assume that they would have lost cuz it's her still get, kind of getting out but yeah, I, I don't know. Again, it's it's kind of overthinking it, and rather, I, I like how tight that they kept this movie. Like they don't, they only spend a few minutes on the wedding, they only spend a few minutes on the introduction, and then you're right there in the action. Mm-hmm. And and again, there wasn't a single like actor that I that I thought didn't do a good job. I thought Stevens, the butler was really good for his weird character always doing the 1812 overture whistle and then playing the song and that being his ultimate downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, uh, the white, the mom, uh, Andy McDowell, who was, was great. And I haven't seen her in anything recently. So it was like, I thought she was underused. She was certainly underused, especially since she would have been the, like an older character in the last one. Right. Well, she, the last ritual. well, the last ritual wasn't her, though. The last ritual was Aunt Helene. Yes, but, I mean, she would have been there for a while. Well, yeah, she killed. would have been there for it. And she also faced it potentially herself. Like, she would, she had to draw the card and, you know, find out whether or not she had to play hide-and-seek. And, um, yeah, I do think she was underused. But I did like this idea that she was rooting for Samara's character at the beginning, like before the card being drawn because she really liked her. She reminded her of herself. Yeah. Um, so I do agree. She was definitely underused. Um, 
the cokehead sister, I think, played whatever purpose she needed to play. Like, they didn't overuse her because uh, she's really annoying. I mean, she's meant to be annoying, yeah. but they they did a good job just not overdoing it because uh, I think if she had been on screen more than she was, it would be like, oh, my God, can we like, just please? Yes. Can we just, just get rid of her? Never die. Right. And same with Fitch. Like, I think like he he served his purpose. He was never on the screen too much, but his his role was perfect for what he did. And and same with the father and Helene. Like, I, again, I think they did a really good job casting us and writing and fleshing out those characters enough for us to kind of get their all their own motivations. Like all of them still they, they whether it's real or not. It, the fear is their own lives and their money, mm-hmm. and I, I just, I really liked it. So yeah, and you get the vibe that no matter what happens, is they, they don't really value the family. No, no, they all hate they, each other. Yeah, they value what they have because of the family. Exactly, and you get that through them being like, oh, like look at all the money we have. We're just so rich. Ha ha ha. Well, even, even (laughs) Daniel, like, um, the fact that he turns and obviously he and his wife hate each other. And she, and she even said like, well, you know, my past, you know, where I came from when he explained it to her before they got married. And he's like, you didn't even blink. And she must've had such a horrible past that she's like, I don't care. And then when he, you know, tries to rescue, um, Samara's character, uh, he's, She's like, you don't even care if I die. And it's basically like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, I'm done. Like, I, I loved that switch because you don't quite get that from the trailer. So it's a nice surprise where you see it with this guy who, when you see him as a kid at the very beginning, he's so into it. He's like right here. He's in here. And then now you see how it's weighed on him. And he's the only, quite frankly, redeemable character after Alex does his turn that you're just like, man, he's the only person that reserve uh, deserved the redemption that he sort of got. Like, at least he died probably a more graceful death than everyone else by the end. Which, honestly, like, it had been 30 years since the last Correct. one. And he was at least, like, 8, 12. Yeah, I would say he would be, like, like 36 w- or 37 at the beginning. That, that's a one th- just a minor detail. Yeah. He looks younger. Like, he looks young 30s. He doesn't look 40. Well, Adam Brody is... Ah, man. Yeah, we can find this out. Because <laughs> I think he's... Maybe he's a, just... He, uh, he, will, he is 40. Really? Uh, yeah, he is, he is 1979, so he's 40. 40 he, yeah, he'll be 41 here this... Uh, it's just one of those things where he looks, he just looks good. Yeah. Looks good for his age. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just... It it was just really well done, and I, I I have to applaud it. Like I said, the writing is still very strong, even though I want some more ex- explanation. Um, they didn't overextend their stay. The direction was really good. The sets were really good. The practical effects were really good. So yeah, I, I just I overall I really enjoyed it. I was wondering what I had seen him in recently. Uh-huh. Well, it's just him. Yeah, when I rewatched that, I saw him there. But he's also in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Oh yes, he is. Very shortly. I got. I got to remember what party was in that. The he was the clerk in it. Oh yeah, like yeah. very short role. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, and I mean he was big. He was in the OC or something like that. Mm-hmm. One of those shows, and uh, I know he was one of the the 
the girl fanboys or fangirls like boy that they are all over with you know in the early 2000s and 2010s so yeah, but, but he he's, was, he's a good actor too he was definitely good when like the very short role as where he played freddy's superhero yeah yeah and, i mean he, he did such a good job in uh kind of uh, portraying a kid in an adult's body, yeah. you know, and I think that's some strength he brings to it. Uh, I I know he was rumored to play Batman in the in the failed George Miller um, Justice League movie. I, I or no, not Batman. He would have been. No, was he Batman? I can't remember because Army Hammer was supposed. To, I think Army Hammer was supposed to be Batman or Superman. Which would have been terrible. The whole that whole thing would have been awful. It just it just didn't. I mean, as much as the Justice League movie that came out was. And not an abomination, but a a, a mess. Uh, I it just would not have worked. I'm sorry. Not I, one. I'm not an Army Hammer fan, so I just don't care for him at all. Uh, so Adam Brody would have been fine, but it just wouldn't. I, maybe he was supposed to be Flash. I guess I could see him as a Flash. You know, he's got that humor yeah. to him. But uh, he certainly was one of my favorites in this movie along with Samara. Um, but again, the whole cast was, was great, but, mm-hmm. uh, any other final thoughts? I don't know. I, I, I do think that like talking about it kind of made me <laughs> enjoy it a little uh, bit more. Yeah. I'd still probably, uh, I'd say three, five like, yeah. it would be fair. Uh, did Izzy watch it with you? No, I, okay. I literally watched it two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were saying you were going to watch it before recording, but I would like to see what she, you know, she thought would think about it. Cause I'm sure she would enjoy it. Yeah, probably. So, all right guys. Well, thank you for sticking around for the spoilers. Uh, you know, uh, we're just going to release this right as soon as we're done recording here. So, uh, thank you guys for sticking around. We'll talk to you next time.